name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, amen. I want to thank Father John Ryman. I know Christina's here. Are the, gir- the ladies, your beautiful daughters here too? No, they're not. So. But Father John uh, and Christina are uh, pastor and pastor's wife at St. Anthony, uh, the church of Father John. Braun started, so it's a very wonderful connection. I think one of Father John's first experiences actually in an Orthodox community was with us. So uh, it's kind of a neat connection with Father John. And uh, anytime he wants to come back and read the gospel, it's fine with me. (laughs) Don't expect anything like that again. (laughs) Boy, that was really good. It was very, very prayerfully done, too, which I love. Thank you, Father John. The gospel text today is a very beautiful one. It's always the third gospel text of our Paschal journey. It's the miracle of the uh, healing of the paralytic in the pool of Bethesda. It's the third sign in the gospel of John of God's power, winning of Cana, the healing of the nobleman's son, and now the healing of the paralytic. It's also for us a picture of holy baptism and that healing power of the water of baptism. Uh, the interesting contrast here is that we see first the pool of Bethesda, that one gets it. One. The waters are troubled and one is baptized and healed. In the baptismal water, it's open to all. All of humanity becomes, uh, uh, becomes available to all of humanity to be step into those waters of baptism, be united to the holy uh, body of Christ, the glorified body of Christ, to unite to him and to the Holy Spirit and to receive divine energy and to live the holy Christian life. So for us, a picture of baptismal water. It also is a picture of God's authority over nature. That we see a paralyzed man for 38 years. No one's able to help him. And I was thinking about this. Every time I think of God's authority over nature, I think of the birth of my son, Kevin. You know, uh, Jan was uh, an older woman. <laughs> I'm going to get it. I know, it's okay. She owes me one. I did the dishes this morning. And so, about as she's in labor, Kevin's coming down, shoot, we're ready to catch him. Labor stops. Stopped. And they're going, it stopped, everything stopped. Push, push. I'm not pushing, I don't know what to do. It was so interesting at that moment, I said, well, the doctors don't know what to do. The nurses don't know what to do. The hospital doesn't know what to do. But God does. God's in charge. It was so clear at that moment to me that God is in charge of nature, what nature does. And so, thanks be to God, he started labor again and pops out Kevin. Awesome. It was awesome. So, authority over nature. He shows it in the gospel, he shows it all in life for us. And then we come to the paralysis of the uh, man at the pool of Bethesda, 38 years paralyzed. 
You know, in the Kentuckian that, we, that was sung this morning, it talks about our paralysis, that we're all paralyzed by something, and that we come today to the chalice of God to be healed of our paralysis, the things that paralyze us. Could it be an addiction to some passion? Is it anger? Is it lust, anxiety, unforgiveness, selfishness, sloth, despair? What paralyzes you? Everybody's got one. Well, think about it. Where's, where, is, where do I get paralyzed in this life? What things get in my way in my relationship to God? Very important. So we need to address those today. That's, this is our day, to address those very things that paralyze us. And so how do we do this? Uh, there's a blueprint in the gospel text of how we progress to healing. The first question the Lord asked the paralytic, which is quite an interesting question. He's been there 38 years. He's hoping to be put in the water, and the water's troubled by the angel, and somebody else jumps in before him, and he misses his chance. 38 years. And the, the Lord's question is, do you want to be healed? Remember Father Hopko saying, oh no, I'm just sitting here to get a suntan. <laughs> do you want to be healed? That's a really pertinent question. Because healing meant he had to take up his pallet and walk. He wasn't going to get fed anymore by somebody. He wasn't going to be taken care of by anybody anymore. He was going to have to take care of himself. The Lord wanted to make sure he was ready to do that. Are you ready to get rid of your paralysis, your passion? You know, if it's anger, I know anger is uh, a defense mechanism. It allows you to push people away that bother you. You ever use that? Something's bothering you. A person is bothering you. You can use anger to push them away. Oh, I want to get rid of that defense mechanism. Oh, no, I don't. That's a great question to ask somebody. Do you want to be healed? Is it lust? Do I have a, am I trapped in the passion of lust? Do you want to get rid of it? Oh, no, it's too pleasurable for me. I don't want to leave that one. What a great question the Lord's asked. The first journey to healing is do you want to get rid of the thing that you're impassioned with? Do you want to get rid of it? Big question. And so to him, the answer was yes, I do. Then he begs God with his whole heart. And that's what we need to do. Beg God, ask God to help us 24-7 if you need to. With tears you ask him for help. And for a day, a week, a year, maybe years you ask him. But this is our journey. Yes, Lord, I want to get rid of this and I need to begin to ask and become a beggar before God in relationship to this passion I'm trying to get rid of or trying to put a lid on or control in some way. I need to be a beggar, to persevere for maybe years. 
And you know, it's very interesting. You know, when you become a beggar, guess where you go with your problems? To God. Maybe the problem is there, so you will go to God. And so it's not necessarily all bad when we have a difficulty. It means we have to be in Christ with God in our efforts. Then we need to cooperate with him. We need to take up our pallet and walk. We need to do, move in a, a progression of healing. If, if it's anger, I need to become kindly. If it's lust, I need to practice chastity. If it's selfishness, I need to practice humility. I need to begin to take up my palate and do the work it needs. I need to do to not let this come back on me. And then he says, very interesting enough, at the very end, just go and sin no more that something greater would befall you. So we don't sin. We, we are touched by the mercy of God and we try to go to live a holy life. This is the blueprint. This is how we do it. Do you want to be healed? We become beggars before God. We cooperate, make our effort, and we then do our best to go live that holy life with the grace God has given to us. So I want to conclude by giving you three stories of these, this, these miracles of healing. One is the story of addiction to sobriety. I wish he was here, Stephen Rotterdam. Stephen, we love Stephen. Stephen was with us back in Isla Vista, and um, beautiful, beautiful uh, Christian man. He had a very serious addiction to alcohol, and, uh, but he was a Catholic boy, and so coming to church on Sunday was important to him. So Stephen would come to our church in Isla Vista, all painted up, told him, I said, Stephen, you're welcome. Just do not come in drunk. Only thing I ask of you. And he understood that. And um, so he came to me one day out in the, when we're out in the trailers back at Isla Vista, and he said, I said, he said, Father, my life's a mess. I just can't get on top of anything. Uh, I said, Stephen, you're an alcoholic. You need to stop drinking. He says, Father, I can't stop drinking. I'm Italian. What? What? Oh, Stephen, there you are. God bless you. Just in time. I love you. See, there you go. I didn't set that up, honestly. So Stephen has been sober all these years. It's a miracle, right, Stephen? A miracle of God. He turned to God and was encouraged in this to step into sobriety, and he's been sober for 10 years, got a nice car, nice place to live, and a job. Thanks be to God. It's a miracle. He stepped into those holy waters and received a healing. Very, very powerful. And Wendy, we love you too. I probably love you more than Stephen, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so 
the second, and this is broken relationships through healed relationships, miracles. You know, there's a great, uh, great point uh, that Father Alexander Schmemann makes in um, Great Lent. Uh, he says, the forgiveness of God ends the hopeless dead ends of human relations. The hopeless dead ends of human relations. The thing that ends those hopeless dead ends is forgiveness. And the beauty of that forgiveness is it will heal a relationship. If we live in that forgiveness and we touch that forgiveness and we practice that forgiveness, no matter what, it will heal a relationship. The beauty of this is that uh, we've seen it. We've seen it. I see it uh, many times in confession when somebody makes a decision to forgive an offense and just be done with it and say, no more can I go through anger or resentment or bitterness about that circumstance. That's out of bounds. No more. I'm done. Finished. It's destroying my life. It's destroying everybody else's life. I'm done with that. I forgive them. Like how? Like God forgives me. How many times do I need to forgive them? How many times has God forgiven you? That many. That many. And the beauty of that is that it brings about unity, love, and solidarity. And the, the, the ugly things of hatred and division flee. We need to understand the very power of forgiveness and that it will heal a broken relationship. It's the very forgiveness that God gives to us. The very forgiveness that, is in, that he gives to us. He gives us in the baptismal water and we take that forgiveness and we give it to the other. We share it. We share the forgiveness of God out. We take it out and forgive. Even to the point where the abuse can be so extreme, but we put our hands out like this and say, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can we get to that point? That is healing. That will heal. That's the miracle of God's forgiveness. Healing. And finally, the last miracle, you're looking at it right here, actually. Not me, but this, this, this here. Well, this is kind of a miracle, too, but we'll talk, that's another story. <laughs> this ragtag group of people that started meeting out in Isla Vista in the early 70s is orthodox. How did this happen? It was a miracle of God, and it was a miracle wrought by humility, I believe. We were a cocky group of people that thought we had the world by the tail. And we moved very aggressively toward developing a church community, which was awesome. We had so many exciting things going on, but the Lord said, you don't have everything. You don't have everything. And thank God for Peter Gilk, Father Peter, Father John, Father Richard, Father Jack, and Father Gordon, because they all moved here. Five of our leaders 
moved into Isla Vista and journeyed us into orthodoxy. And at the very end, when they had to make that final step, God asked them to humble themselves and step back from their being bishops and becoming simple priests. Humility. The other thing that we had to humble ourselves to was personal opinion. You know, if, if we all read a piece of scripture right here, and I, and I went around and said, I, tell me what you think that means. How many opinions do you think I would have? Way too many to discern. Well, we saw and saw the need to bow our heads to the church fathers and to the Holy Scriptures and to the traditions of the church and say that the church knows, the church's opinion. I remember Father Jack Sparks saying we, were, we would always come together uh, once or twice a year, and we would argue continually about some, <laughs> some, something that we were headed toward, like uh, honoring the Virgin Mary. And so all we would go around the room, and everybody would have their opinion. I remember Father Jack saying, you know, the church has an opinion, and I think when the church has an opinion, we need to have that opinion. When the church is doing something and has done something for centuries, that's what we need to do. And it was kind of a eye, uh, light bulb for everybody. Yes, we need to humble ourselves to the church. Humble ourselves to the way it has been done for centuries. And that was the miracle that brought us to this point. Humility, saying the church is our teacher. Christ and the church is our teacher. That was the point that brought us into a really solid relationship with the Holy Orthodox community. So these miracles, beloved, but let us all remember that God wants to heal us of all our ills. Whatever paralysis we might have, whatever thing we might be dealing with, God wants to interact with that. So become a beggar before him. Ask his help. He will be there for you, as he was for the paralytic. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.